Welcome to Copcast. I'm Rumbi Chakamba, Associate Editor at DevEx, and I've headed to Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt for this year's United Nations Climate Conference. In this podcast series, we bring you inside the walls of the Blue Zone for a series of in-depth conversations with climate and development leaders, asking them the big questions. What's really needed to make meaningful progress towards climate goals and what role should the development community play to support that? Whether the money comes or not, I mean, the extreme weather events, you know, the droughts, you know, are happening. You know, the floods are happening. The African continent loses between 7 to $15 billion a year due to climate change. These figures are projected to rise to $50 billion by 2050. But the continent receives only 3% of total climate finance globally. At this year's Africa COP, leaders from the continent called on the global community to move beyond commitments to implementation. I sat down with Solomon Kano, Vice President for Private Sector, Infrastructure and Industrialization at the African Development Bank. We discussed the continent's climate financing needs and the bank's roadmap to get there. Thank you so much, VP, for joining me. So your message here at COP has been finance, finance, finance. Is it being heard? And what kind of resources are we asking for? So it's being heard in some quarters. Uh, so, for example, uh, for the adaptation, uh, the African Adaptation Acceleration Program, uh, we've had a lot of commitments uh, from uh, several G7 countries, uh, and we expect to really get some more. Uh, so, so this is really a good indication. Uh, we've also launched the Alliance for Green Infrastructure in Africa. This is an idea in which we want to uh, you know, develop and implement green infrastructure of scale and with speed. And we're looking to raise $500 million for project development and project preparation. And we've got very good indicative interest from the likes of the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, from EBRD, EIP, Agence Francaise, uh, you know, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, and we are going to also put some money in as the African Development Bank. So, yes, the $100 billion is not coming. Um, we're, not, we're not seeing a clear indication of that coming, but, you know, nobody's waiting. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing what we can do in spite of that. So almost all the middle-income country leaders that I speak to, African countries that I speak to, they're all like, 100 billion is not coming, we're forging a way forward. Is that really the mindset that we're seeing now? It has to be, especially if you look at the, you know, the African context. Our biggest issue is not mitigation, it's adaptation. So whether the money comes or not, I mean, the extreme weather events, you know, the droughts, you know, are happening. You know, the floods are happening, the cyclones are happening, and they're happening more frequently. And what we see is that governments are having to spend to repair, you know, spend to save lives. So we better actually implement, you know, the, ad, ad, you know, the adaptation ourselves. So this is where greening infrastructure is very important because, you know, for example, if you take a road, uh, if you were to, you know, invest the additional funds, which we estimate will be up to about 5%, uh, that can allow you to elevate roads so that when the floods come, they don't, it doesn't destroy all the infrastructure. So yes, you know, uh, Africa has no choice. Uh, we, we have to move forward. And, you know, MDBs like ourselves also have to find ways to better resource ourselves, to take better risks, and also create more leverage. 
So this is why, you know, we are approaching the IMF. You know, we as the African Development Bank are prescribed holders of the SDRs. So if we're able to get SDRs, we can then actually leverage it and lend with concessionality, you know, to African governments and African private sector so that we, we start to really green our infrastructure from an adaptation perspective. I'm so glad you mentioned the private sector. So that's part of your portfolio, the private sector. How do you engage the private sector when we're talking climate? So one does it really from a risk perspective uh, because, you know, the same way people are impacted, private sector is impacted by these extreme events. So, you know, naturally, you know, one is able to really have that conversation. So when I spend time with, uh, you know, financial institutions, for example, who have several clients, uh, they've got to be worried about the climate risk impacts on their clients because if it impacts their clients adversely, the clients will not be able to repay the loans. So, so all of a sudden, it's not really something so distant, you know, something that only the do-gooders are looking at. It's, it's really a business, it's also a business, you know, risk issue. So financial institutions are paying attention, private sector companies are paying attention, uh, we're, we're beginning to see a, you know, a greater migration from you know, fossil fuel uh, generation of energy to hybrid, uh, you know, including gas and solar, and, and also you know, gas and wind, you know, et cetera. Yes, yeah, so private sector is paying attention. Okay. And when you mentioned like energy, one of like the debates that's going on around here is about a just transition. What exactly should that just transition look like? Because so, so many people say that there's a better business case for just going straight to renewable energy. What should that look like? You know, Africa has what I call the double whammy. Uh, you know, we are disproportionately impacted by climate change. And we also need to industrialize to create jobs. It's very difficult to industrialize purely on uh, certain kinds of renewables, okay, especially uh, solar, wind that have intermittency. Okay, yes, if you have significant hydro, uh, you know you can industrialize on hydro. Um, but so we have to actually pay attention to, uh, you know, to, to both. So the idea of a just transition is we continue to move towards you know, renewables. If you take a look at the African Development Bank ourselves, 85% of what we do in the power sector is renewables. But there's a 15% where we have to really have a variety of fuel mixes to actually be able to get universal access to power, but also to ensure that we industrialize as we continue to protect, you know, uh, the climate. So the just transition is really about, you know, making sure that we have, you know, uh, mixes of fuel, including gas, uh, that would actually be phased out with time. Um, speaking about a just transition, I was at the Africa Pavilion and I attended an event on the just transition. And one of the things that people said is that uh, the conversation is easier to have now. Last year, no one would dare talk about <laughs> fossil fuels. No one would dare talk about gas because now there is a war in Europe. Do you see that influence happening? And how can we make sure that um, external policies don't affect what Africa should be doing? I mean, so the African Development Bank has been consistent, uh, you know, pre uh, the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine, and we remain consistent. And part of the point we make is that it's in Africa's interest to actually green, uh, you know, uh, the planet. So, you know, we're going to focus on renewables and 85% 
of our portfolio, uh, and also even what we do annually uh, is renewable power. But the 15% is a mix of other fuels, okay, uh, primarily gas. And, and part of the reason this is important is, you know, we are facing mostly adaptation uh, risks, okay, which means we have to respond to the impact of climate change because it's already impacting us. But when we also look at our economies, we need to industrialize. Uh, we're mostly exporting, uh, you know, commodities that we produce most competitively to the rest of the world and waiting for value-added goods to come back. We need to actually move Africa up the value chain. You cannot do that without stable baseload power, okay? And, you know, quite a, you know, solar, wind have intermittency and they cannot really guarantee baseload power enough to do industrialization. So we've always said that, yes, you know, the trend and, and the majority of where we should be headed is renewables, but we need to still have, an, you know, a bit of a mix of fuels uh, to be able to underpin industrialization and hence the gas being part of the just energy transition. So even the gas projects that we do have to be part of countries' nationally determined contributions and their long-term strategies. So the bar is still high, which means that the gas projects we're doing is actually Paris-aligned. Are you interested in the intersection of business and social impact? Do you want to know how corporate sustainability, ESG, impact investing, and more can contribute to development finance? My name is Adva Saldinger. I'm a senior reporter at DevEx, and I've been reporting on these issues for nearly a decade. I'm the author of DevEx Invested, our free weekly newsletter dedicated to development finance. Every Tuesday, we explore how companies, investors, and market mechanisms are reshaping the world of development finance. Visit devex.com newsletters and join us on Tuesdays. Back to just the uh, discussions happening here at COP27 in general. Uh, you've mentioned that one of your top asks is the SDRs. What else would you want to see coming out of COP27? If, if we have access to the SDRs, you know, as the African Development Bank, we're able to actually support, you know, public, uh, you know, public national banks, you know, the development banks across Africa. We're able to, you know, work with financial institutions. We're able to work with governments. We're essentially concessionary, I mean, market concessionary capital because we're going to leverage those amounts. You know, it's not going to be one for one. We have the ability to leverage those amounts because we have a triple A, you know, global uh, credit rating. So just imagine really then the financial capacity that we can bring to bear uh, really in terms of, uh, you know, our climate change drive. So, so that's one. The other, the other thing that we are doing now, one of the big you know, announcements, we, or two of the big announcements that we've made, uh, we're trying to raise about $500 million of project development and project preparation capital to actually prepare green and greener infrastructure projects. Now, that would translate... Can we break down what a green and greener infrastructure okay. project So, for example, you know, if, if, uh, if indeed um, a manufacturing company is, is using uh, HFO for its power plant, its, its captive power plant, it can convert to gas, okay? And then also it can convert to a hybrid 
of gas and solar so that you know solar uh, is used during the down periods and and gas will be used when baseload you know industrial activity is taking place so that's an example another example that may be you know a lot you know easier to feel to you know to to feel is the bus systems in cities uh, a lot of them run on diesel what if we convert them to com compress natural gas in the first phase and then in the second phase we convert them to electric you know buses so so these are the sorts of projects that you know we we call greener or greener projects okay now so what we're trying to do is really raise 500 million dollars uh, and we have already good indication of interest uh, from the likes of the Rockefeller Foundation from uh, the European Investment Bank, from the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, uh, from the Agence Française Développement, uh, from the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, and we, along with you know our, our affiliate institution called Africa 50, are also, also going to participate. But we're looking to actually get more parties. So we had a soft launch, you know, during COP because we're looking to get more parties to be able to raise this money. And the idea is, you know, to be deliberate about, you know, stimulating green infrastructure. We don't want it to take seven to ten years to, to happen. We want to do it in three years, okay? And we want to really focus on transformational projects. So that's one. The other one, which is, you know, sorry to use development terms, but we have a concessionary window as the African Development Bank. It's called the African Development Fund. And this is really where we, are, you know, we, we use the funds we get to really engage in the poorer countries across Africa. And you know, we get donations from you know, countries across the world, you know, especially the G20 you know, countries as well. And what they've agreed to do this time, for the first time, is to have a set-aside climate action window where over time we plan to raise, I mean, they plan to donate about $13 billion uh, for us to really do climate projects. I mean, this is a potential game changer. So, so the, these are some of the things that, you know, uh, we're discussing really at, at, at COP as the African Development Bank. Yeah, it's quite exciting when you talk about all these numbers and the commitments that are coming in and the money that you're expecting to come in. But one of the things that Egypt has said is that we want to move from commitments to implementation action. So how do we make sure that uh, what's happening on the ground when we're now actually at the implementation state stage is actually in line with what we were planning. No, so we're going to get the pledges for the um, African Development Fund actually next month, mm -hmm. December. And, you know, this is something we do every three years. So this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I think the, the question is more, what's the amount? Because the 13 billion that I mentioned to you is over uh, you know, over time, you know, it could be over, you know, uh, nine years, not, not really immediate. Yeah. So that's going to happen. Um, I also talked to you about the Alliance for Green Infrastructure in Africa. We as AFDB, you know, plan to invest and the Rocky, Rockefeller Foundation have indicated they'll put 50 million. So we're seeing actually action. So yes, um, you know, some of these things may take a few months to cement. But, you know, this is different from the $100, $100 billion <laughs> pledge that we're not hearing much about. Uh, so, so, no, these are more, you know, actionable things. So this is more of solid commitments yes. as opposed to up-in-the-air commitments. Yes, it is, because there's already a mechanism to deliver, you know, the commitments, yes. Okay. 
No, that's fantastic. And it's so glad to hear. I'm so excited to hear about all the things that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me here for Devic Copcast. And we look forward to hearing more from the African Development Bank. Thank you, Rumbi. And I know it's your first COP, but come to future COPs. <laughs> it's been a crazy one, but I, I do think I'll definitely come. Thanks for listening to Copcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others you think would be interested in it. You can also leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have some feedback about this episode that you want to share, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at devix and at rumbichakamba underscore, or you can drop us an email at podcast at devix.com. Mm-hmm.